probably dating myself, and maybe you will too if you participate here, but have you ever made a mixtape? There's like three of you. Great. All right. Awesome. Some of you might have trouble relating to this. Uh, For others of us, it's a blast from the past. Uh, We used to have, back in the day, right, limited access to, to music. Uh, if you had a favorite artist or a band and you wanted to listen to their songs, then you'd have to either, I grew up, I was a, a child of the 80s, so the boombox is uh, really bringing, this, this one right over here, that one in the middle, I mean, that's almost identical to the one I saved my money for and, uh, and, and put money away so that I could buy that and I had it for years. So anyway, I just want you to know whether you're going to have fun this summer. I know I'm going to have fun this summer, but uh, anyway, so uh, so we'd we'd uh, we, you'd you'd want to listen to a song, and so if you wanted to listen to that song or, or those art, you'd have to like go buy their album or go buy their cassette, right? And uh, or, or you could turn on the radio and listen. Sometimes for a long time until they played the song, and sometimes you could call the radio station and request a song, and then you'd wait and see if they really played it or not, and and then if they played your song, and if you had the, the right stereo set up where you had both a radio and a cassette player and a, with a record button, uh, and you had a blank cassette, then when you heard the song and it was coming on, oh, I think that's it, and you'd, you'd hit the right button and you record that song, you'd tape it right? That was back when we really had tape that we taped it on, right? These days we say, oh, I'm going to tape that show or whatever. There's no tape involved, right? It's, it's all, you know, digital. But back then it was real tape. And, uh, and, and then you'd, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd get that recorded and then you'd have it on your, on your cassette, right? And you'd have a, you, you could listen to it whenever you wanted to. And, um, and then if you had many favorite songs, you re- could record them back to back on the same tape and you'd call that a mix tape and all different genres or all different things or, or certain seasons of the year for certain song, whatever, just a cassette with a bunch of different songs by different bands and artists and you could play it in your car or on your boombox or, or even your Walkman. Uh, there's a couple of Walkman over there. I can't imagine running with one of those on my, uh, uh, on my hip, but People used to do it. So we'd, we'd put tapes together and we'd play them until they gave out. And I don't know, maybe you can testify. Sometimes that wasn't all that long until they gave out, right? But, but uh, uh, you know, the player might start eating the tape, so to speak. And, you'd, you know, you'd, you'd hit the eject button and then you'd pull and all the, you know, would come out. The tape is just kind of like, and it's all kind of wrinkled and crinkled. And, and, uh, and so, I mean, there's nothing left to do at that point except to get your pencil, Right? Right? That's exactly what you, and, and you gotta, you know, you gotta turn the, turn the thing and get it all, uh, get it all fixed up. I mean, every once in a while, I even, uh, took some scotch tape and would, would repair a little, you know, and so, uh, I mean, you'd have a little right in there, but you could, you could kinda, kinda get past that. Uh, um, it just added to the uniqueness of your recording, right? Uh, as, as you would, you would listen. There was t- times when I would like hear the real recording. Somebody had a tape of it somewhere. Uh, and I'd go, well, where's that little, cause that's what I was used to, cause I had, you know, recorded anyway. But, well, just like, um, I, I mean, I guess today the modern equivalent is, uh, a playlist on your on your uh, uh, phone's music app or on Spotify or iTunes or whatever, however we do that these days. Uh, uh, but that doesn't quite compare to a mixtape because usually, again, you'd have that 
part if you had to record or, or change something. Or, or maybe you had the, the DJ, you cut off the, the DJ as he talked over the beginning of the song, right? And, and so you have something there. Or you'd have the sound of, you know, you press those buttons. They're not exactly like quiet. And uh, you hear the when it started or whatever. And so you had your unique blend on that mixtape. And it was just you know, this unique uh, thing that you could, uh, you've made and that you could enjoy. Well, just like today, you might have certain playlists for certain situations. We would make mixtapes uh, for different seasons or different occasions or, or whatever. And I guess that's uh, all the background, uh, more than you need to know uh, about uh, where the, uh, the genesis of this idea has come from for our summer sermon series, the summer mixtape. All summer long, we're going to be studying the songs in the longest book of the Bible, uh, the book of Psalms. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. Uh, the, the Bible is, is you know, we, we say it's, you know, it, it's a book, the, 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 the book, but it's really a compilation of, of many different books, uh, uh, types of literature written by uh, over 40 authors, inspired by God, assembled over a couple thousand years. It's still the most transformational and the best-selling piece of literature in the world today. It's set up into to two main parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament, with uh, 39 smaller books or sections, right, in the, in the Old Testament and, and 27 in the New, and, and the Old Testament stuff happened, uh, uh, all the stuff that happened before Jesus came to earth, and the New Testament starts with Jesus and then, and then goes on from there. And I said there's uh, com- compiled in this book we call the Bible, uh, there, there is, uh, uh, there's different types of literature. So we can't read every book the same. Uh, they're, they're, uh, like in the Old Testament, for, for instance, there's a lot of historical stuff. And so you can read that like we would read uh, historical documents uh, uh, to this day. Uh, there's also a rather extensive prophetic literature section. Uh, the New Testament uh, includes the accounts of Jesus' life in, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the rest are are uh, all mostly um, letters. There's a lot of letters there that that uh, the church leaders wrote to churches that they had helped to uh, create in order to encourage and and support Christians and to disciple them in the faith. and And so those letters have turned into uh, many of the books of the New Testament. There are also quite a few uh, books in the Bible or parts of books in the Bible that are poetic literature. Uh, the books of Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Songs and, and of course, Psalms. It's, the, it's got 150 chapters, more chapters than any other book in, uh, in the Bible. Uh, it's it's uh, full of each chapter, each psalm is a, is a poem or a song. Uh, they were written by several different authors, but the vast majority are attributed to the pen of that shepherd-turned-king, David, around 1000 B.C. Uh, the book of Psalms uh, appears to have been compiled over time, but has existed for a very long time. Uh, in the time of Jesus, in, in the book of Luke, twice he referred to the book of Psalms. So it already existed as a, as a document or as a, as a book. Someone has comp- had compiled all these songs and poems together into a book by the time of Jesus. Peter referred to it once uh, also in the, in the beginning of the book of Acts. We're uh, we're fortunate on uh, maybe you've uh, 
it read uh, the book of Psalms and you see, you know, it's got, got them numbered one through 150. And uh, then there's, before it goes into the Psalm, there's like this italicized stuff at the top, right? And so we're fortunate enough to have these little notations. It's not part of the poem. It actually tells some of the backstory, so to speak. A lot of them tell who wrote it. Uh, and most of the time it says David. Um, we, uh, it, it might uh, describe the occasion that it was written for. Uh, it might describe the historical setting of what was going on at the time. It might be a combination of, of all of those things. But this, this, it's, it's unique in that way. We don't get that in a lot of other uh, books of the Bible. The, uh, this, this book, these poems, these songs have been the, the soundtrack of God's people for centuries. The, the book of Psalms is, is, is probably the book of the Bible that people are, are, uh, are most familiar with today. Uh, segments are quoted a lot, well, even, even outside of the church, right? In weddings and funerals primarily, uh, different services we might quote uh, different words from, uh, from this book. Um, there, there are uh, a lot of uh, Psalms, uh, the, the, the sections of Psalms that we incorporate into the songs that we sing uh, at, at church, and that has been true down through history. Uh, now, even at that, though, there seem to be some portions that we spend a whole lot of time on that we've heard a lot, and then there are other portions of the book of Psalms that maybe we've never heard before or, or haven't read much at all. Uh, other than spending uh, the entire fall of 2001 studying six verses in Psalm 23, uh, I don't know whether many of us have really studied uh, this mixtape of poetic theology, praise, lament, and prayer. So, so, so we're giving it a shot this summer. We're, uh, we're, we're certainly not going to get to all 150. This isn't a 150-week uh, uh, sermon series, uh, but, uh, but, but we will be looking at a wide assortment of these things. So I guess, I guess if nothing else, to do except to press play on this uh, on this summer mixtape and jump in. We're gonna uh, we're gonna do what um, what Julie Andrews told us to do in the Sound of Music. We're gonna start at the very beginning because yes, it is. Thank you very much. It is a very good place to start. Psalm one verse one. Here we go. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Psalm 1. I love Psalm 1. Uh, it paints such, a, uh, such vivid pictures and, and really helps us to see and experience the life that God wants for us. It starts off with this, with this word blessed, right? Uh, blessed is the person. Uh, uh, blessed are the people who, we could translate that as happy. Uh, happy are the, but maybe the best translation is in the New Living uh, translation where, where it starts off with, oh, the joys of those who, and then it goes into uh, uh, what, how, how they are experiencing that joy. Psalm 1 uh, starts off the the whole book uh, on a high note, showing us how we can be happy and blessed, how we can be full of joy in this life and in the life to come. So how do we do that? Well, it starts off saying that there, first, there are a few things that we need to avoid. 
A person whom God blesses, whom we, we, we see uh, later in the psalm, it, it refers to those people as righteous people. So uh, a, a person that is righteous, that, that God is blessing, doesn't associate, according to verse 1 here, doesn't associate with sinful people and practices. Uh, the psalmist here, and this is one of uh, you know, a handful of psalms that doesn't have anything at the top. We don't know who wrote this one. But the psalmist here that wrote this lists three things that a, uh, that a righteous person won't do. And it's set up poetically here. Again, this isn't a, a, a document, a historical document, or a, a, a something like, it's not a, a, a story, it doesn't read like a story, this is a poem, right? And so it, they, they use some, some Hebrew poetic uh, stuff, and one, things, one thing that they do a lot throughout the Psalms, we'll see it a lot, is that they kind of couple things together, two or three thoughts they'll, they'll kind of put together, uh, maybe kind of they build on each other, sometimes they're opposites, but, but they put them together. Uh, many, the, many of them might, might rhyme in Hebrew, that doesn't help because we don't know Hebrew, right? Or, or uh, maybe they, they, they like start with the same letter or the same sound. Again, doesn't help when you translate it into English, but, but, uh, but, but we'll, we'll make note of some of those things as we walk through these psalms. So anyway, uh, this, uh, verse 1 has, has these three things that a righteous person won't do. And, and they're kind of coupled all together, or, or, or uh, kind of a triad there, and, uh, and there's a progression to it. It, it moves from, from walking to standing to sitting. Right there's there's uh, more and more involvement. There's a progression. Walking in, a righteous person will not walk in step with the wicked. Uh, they won't stand where sinners are going, and they won't sit with mockers or uh, sinful people who are who are practicing toxic speech. It's describing someone. I, I think a great way to summarize this is it's describing someone who's getting more and more comfortable with sin, walking along then hanging out and finally making yourself at home with, uh, with sinful people. So, so I guess the first thing we need to learn from Psalm 1, verse 1, if we want to be blessed, don't get comfortable with sin. Uh, a righteous person, a blessed person, is not going to follow that progression along. Uh, don't put yourself in a position to be influenced by people and things, uh, by people who are not following God, by things that don't line up with, with God and his righteousness. There, there are certain things that, as followers of Jesus, we just don't do, right? Because of our commitment to Jesus Christ, we have to steer clear of, of uh, uh, association with any form of sin. The Bible tells us the, the, the dangers of sin. We, we have to draw certain boundaries in our lives so that, so that we can stay away from those things and their influence in our lives. We have to uh, guard against attitudes and, and other influences that, that, uh, that, that would seek to draw us away from God. We don't want to uh, walk in step with those folks and those things or stand uh, with, as the, that is all surrounding us or sit and, uh, and, and make ourselves at home with those influences. I think we have to ask ourselves a question uh, in, as this mixtape plays. Uh, Psalm 1, verse 1, where am I walking and standing and making myself at home? Is it in the company of, the, of sinful things? What am I allowing to influence me? Who am I allowing uh, to influence me? Uh, what, uh, what, what ways am I entertaining myself? And, and is that influencing me well? Where is it where I am uh, walking and standing and sitting? Righteous people will not walk or stand or sit in the influence of sin. 
But let's not stop there because we, we can't simply be people who are known for what we don't do, right? What we're against. Uh, too many followers of Jesus, uh, I think, are so busy not doing anything wrong that, <laughs> that a lot of times we don't do anything right either, right? So uh, verse 2 says that, uh, that, that it's, it's not just that we're not going to do these other things, but he, he, they, they list two things that we'd better be doing as well uh, the, to keep us in that blessed and happy category. It's, it's stated twice. It's another one of these uh, uh, Hebrew poetry kind of uh, thing, coupling things together, restating something for emphasis. Uh, kind of has the same meaning, but, but takes it in a, a couple of different nuanced directions. So not only should the righteous avoid the influence of sin, but we also should be delighting in and meditating on the law of the Lord. Psalm 1 mentions the law, it's referring to what, uh, what we know as the first five books of the Old Testament, what the Hebrew people would have called the Torah, uh, and, and, uh, and, and that can certainly seem pretty overwhelming if we're going to be delighting in and meditating on it. Okay, well what are we meditating? Oh, just this whole section of scripture, and just to be honest with you, there's a whole bunch of laws in that big old section of scripture. Uh, and and uh, so when, when Psalm 1 uh, verse 2 says that we're delighting in and meditating on the law of the Lord, I think it could be a little overwhelming. And it might seem a little weird to delight in a book of rules and regulations, right? I mean, I... Uh, I don't think we, we take uh, rule books and, uh, and, and meditate on them these days. But stick with me here. Forward to the New Testament, and uh, Jesus is weighing in on this whole idea of the law. And uh, when asked, uh, they said, well, Jesus, what's important in this, in this law, the, the, the whole Torah? Boil it down here for us. What, what are we talking about here? And, uh, and Jesus said, well, you can sum up the law with just two things. You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two things, you're fulfilling the whole law. This whole, this whole section is summed up with love God with all you've got and love the people around you like you love yourself. It fulfills the whole law. So, so catch this, righteous people, people who are blessed by God and experience his joy are people who spend their effort and attention on how they can best love God and love people. Just a different way of saying that we're delighting in and meditating on the law. Uh, what, what is the law? Well, it's loving God with all you've got and loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to delight in that. I'm going to delight in how I can love God more. How I can, I'm going to meditate on, on how I might best love the people around me more and do it better and better. Now, I know the word meditation uh, might throw some people for a loop because, uh, uh, well, really, it's, it's become a more and more common thing to talk about these days. It's less kind of woo-woo out there than, uh, than, than maybe it has been in the past as people talk about things like mindfulness and attentiveness, right? But, and, and there's a benefit for sure in, uh, in, in being present in the moment, being mindful, uh, taking time to know yourself, you know, those things are important. I, it, it, uh, this type of meditation has its roots in, in Buddhism and Eastern religions, but that's, uh, that's not the meditation that Psalm 1 is talking about. Buddhist meditation is, is all about emptying myself and my mind, experiencing things in the moment, uh, trying to reach something called nirvana, and an experience of, of neither suffering nor desire, what's been described as a state of eternal nothingness. 
I've driven through the state of eternal nothingness. It's called Iowa, okay? I, I'm not a good Buddhist, I guess, but, um, but I have, have, have that experience of nirvana, I guess. Maybe you, uh, you know the name Dan Harris, ABC News anchor. He wrote a book a few years ago where he stated that, that his meditation practices have made him, quote, 10% happier. So kind of the gist of that book is that, that uh, uh, he, he doesn't necessarily buy into all the Buddhist stuff, but he does have some meditation practices, and, and it hasn't like transformed his life or anything, but, but it makes him about 10% happier, and he's good with that. I just see that Psalm 1, meditation, the way the psalmist is describing it, uh, delighting in God's love, that results in being completely blessed by God, experiencing joy and fulfillment beyond measure, seems a little bit better than 10% happier. I I think I'm going to go with the psalmist version of meditation. We're not just meditating on uh, being being empty of ourselves. We're meditating on the law of the Lord. We're meditating on on uh, God's love for us and our love for him and God's love for other people and our love for other people. Uh, what What are we delighting in? Righteous people, people who are blessed, delight themselves in the ways of God. We're living for him. We're avoiding sin. We're not going to walk there. We're not going to stand there. We're not going to make ourselves our, our home there. We're going to delight in the things of God, the ways of God. Well, that's the first couple of verses. And then in true poetic fashion, this, this psalmist goes on to paint a picture, actually a, a couple of pictures to, to compare and contrast the lives of, of the righteous and the wicked. The righteous person's life is described here as a tree, healthy and alive, growing and flourishing, uh, uh, producing fruit. This, this tree is, is kind of like the one up there. That's, it's planted by the water and, and it's, it's nourished by that pure and, and healthy flow and, and it doesn't dry up and, and it's, it's this flourishing, healthy, growing, fruit-bearing tree. That's, that's the picture of, of a righteous person that the psalmist says, okay, well, if you're avoiding sin and you're, you're, uh, you're, you're living your life for, for God and his ways, you're going to look like this. And then if I was writing this and I wanted to contrast, well, this is a, a healthy growing tree with, uh, and, and that's the righteous person, then I'd probably contrast it with, I don't know, a, a, a dead bush or uh, some, some cactus in the desert or, you know, something that, you know, whatever. Uh, the psalmist goes even further than that to contrast and he puts it, paints a picture of the wicked. He says, well, if you're not righteous, then you're, you're wicked. And, and the wicked look like chaff, he said. I'm not sure how many wheat farmers there are in the crowd. You can raise your hand, anybody? Okay, good. There's, I see that hand, good. I'm, I haven't ever done this. I didn't heard about it. Chaff is, uh, is the papery husk around kernels of, of wheat. In Bible times, uh, they, they would have uh, farms would have a threshing floor. They called it. And usually it was up on a hill and the wind would, uh, would whip through that. And, uh, and, and when they harvested the grain, they would, uh, they would beat it and knock, knock the chaff loose. And then from what I understand, they would do just this. They would take handfuls of it or, or uh, shovelfuls of it or whatever. And they would, they would throw it up in the air. And as that wind whipped across that threshing floor, this papery chaff would, uh, would blow away while the, the heavier grain would fall back down to the floor, leaving the, the, the pile uh, uh, devoid of the chaff. The chaff is now gone and the wheat is, uh, is now ready for, uh, for the next part of the process. 
in, in a society back in Jesus' day where everything was put to use, nothing was wasted. Chaff was still something they considered utterly useless, right? Uh, they just let it blow away. And in Psalm 1, after describing that solid, growing, vibrant tree, the psalmist says, not so, the wicked. They are like chaff. In other words, the, the, the wicked are completely opposite. <laughs> no, the wicked, not like a tree. You're not planted. You're not near water. There is no good fruit. You're going to wither and, and you fail. It's completely the opposite of all the things that the psalmist described as a righteous person and this tree planted by the water. It's a crystal clear picture being conveyed, the contrast between the righteous and the wicked. And, and I love that, and I love that picture, and, and we, can, uh, we can celebrate it and, and uh, put it on a picture and hang it on our wall and, and all those things, and that's great, except I still kind of pump the brakes a little bit right there because I want that to be right and true. But when I look around, it doesn't always seem like it is, right? The wicked seem to be winning. Sin seems to be taking over. A righteous life is not free from problems and pain and suffering. And often it appears that doing the right thing might even make suffering worse. So what in the world is going on here in Psalm 1? I think... I think that very reason, that it doesn't necessarily seem like it when we look around, that very reason is why Psalm 1 is a clear picture, because we need that, that, uh, that, that, that assurance that of the truth, despite what we see. We need the reminder, we need to see eternal truth in the face of temporary issues. Verse 5 uh, flashes our attention uh, to the end of time, uh, and it says, sure, the wicked may seem to be prospering now, but in the judgment... It says they won't be able to stand. They're, they're like chaff. They're going to be blown away. It, it, it's not, they're not going to last. Sure, in the, in the temporary right now, maybe it looks like, and, and I wonder, and I'm trying to do the right thing, but it doesn't seem like it's paying off, and, and what's going on? And Psalm 1 uh, proclaims loud and clear, no, no, the truth is, and, and let's flash ahead now, he says, and, and let's, let's make sure that you know that even though the wicked might seem to be prospering now, in the judgment they're not going to stand. Sinners will not prosper in the end when the righteous assemble in heaven. That solid foundation of a tree rooted by the stream, that is what lasts forever. If you'll see, if you uh, read through Psalms, you'll, you'll see the issue raised more than once. Why do the righteous seem to be losing and the wicked seem to be winning? Uh, or some version of that. Psalm 1 introduces the truth that are deceiving. And you can count on the fact that a righteous life is the only solid, sure life that will last through eternity. Well, The, the, the whole Psalm wraps up with some incredible news. The Lord, God, uh, is, is watching over your life. Now that could paint the, uh, what we saw earlier of uh, the, my district superintendent watching over my life, right? And we might get a little freaked out, but God's watching over. Oh my goodness, what's going to... The, the context here is, is, is not that God is watching over your life to see where you're going to mess up. But uh, it, it, 
Well, it could be translated this way. The Lord knows the way of the right. Or God, I love this one. God is actively participating in where you are going and what you are doing. God is actively participating in where you are going and what you are doing. That may be the, the, the kernel of truth that paints that big picture that describes the joy that we owe the joys of those who are living for this God who is participating in our lives in where we're going and what we're doing. And we can, we can rest in that as he has planted us by the, by the stream and, and, and he invigorates us and gives us life and, and health and, and, and his, his spirit produces fruit in us and, and we can live that solid and secure life. Avoiding the things of the wicked, pursuing the things of God, loving God with all we've got, loving our, our, our neighbor as ourself. So we've, uh, we've just scratched the surface. Oh, we don't want to say scratch when we're talking about a cassette, right? But we've just scratched the surface on our, uh, on our summer mixtape. But I think Psalm 1 starts us off on a high note. How a joy-filled life. Well, don't get comfortable with sin. Instead, delight in loving God and others. And if you do, you will flourish like a tree that's planted by the water. Father God, we, we do love you today and we thank you for the words of this psalm, for the, uh, the, the transformational way, the, the very clear and, and specific way that it lays out the, uh, the difference between those who are pursuing you and those who are not. Lord, I pray that all of us gathered in this room or, or within the, uh, the, the hearing of this, logging in online, wherever we find ourselves encountering these truths today, Lord, I just pray that, that, that you, would, you would challenge us and, and draw us to a growing life with you. That when we think about our lives, it, that, that we wouldn't see that we're just chaff that's blown away, but that we're solid and sure uh, rooted in you as you live and move and have your way among us. Lord, I pray that you will, you will uh, help us to, to, to step into life with you today. In Jesus' name we pray.